Welcome to another episode of the Part-Time REI Podcast with hosts Eric Hitzelberger and Brian Snyder, creators of the Lunchtime Profit System and the Part-Time REI blog. If you are looking to learn how to take control of your financial future by investing in real estate in your spare time, this is your premier source of information. Okay, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Part-Time REI Podcast. Uh, this is Brian Snyder. I'm here with Eric Hitzelberger. We're your co-host. And, uh, you know, over the past few podcasts, we've talked a lot about systems. And great systems and great teams are really what separates the successful real estate investors from those who will struggle. And the beauty of flipping houses is that every single one follows the same seven steps. And really, once you understand these seven steps and how to systematize them and automate them, you can really unlock your potential and, and make a lot of money and, and achieve the lifestyle that you want. So in today's podcast, we're going to focus on those seven steps that every rehab goes through. So, hey, Eric, before we get into uh, describing those steps, why don't you walk our listeners through real quick and just and, uh, name the seven steps to give them an idea of what we're going to talk about today. Sure. You know, the, the like you said, there's seven steps that every rehab, um, you know, will follow. And those are finding properties, analyzing the deal, making an offer, due diligence, pre-rehab planning, the rehab itself, and then marketing and selling the property. That's interesting. Seven steps and only one of those is rehabbing, right? I think a lot of people think that flipping houses is, is all about rehabbing, but it's, it's only one of the seven steps. So, uh, well, let's dive right in then. Um, the first one is, as you mentioned, is finding properties. So tell me a little bit about especially a part-time real estate investor, how do you go about finding those properties and uh, leveraging others to help you do that? Well, you know, the, simply the best way to do it is to have other people bring you deals. You know, so if you're working with wholesalers, um, th that's great because then they're out spending their time finding the deal, putting it together, and bringing it to you. Um, besides that, you know, you've got the MLS, so agents can help look for properties for you. You've got um, auctions. Uh, partnering with other investors, that's a good way to get into, uh, you know, real estate and rehabbing. Um, and then, you know, if you're, if you're not really on a part-time basis, but doing this a lot more full-time, um, you can do direct mail campaigns and you can kind of be the wholesaler and out there looking for motivated sellers. But all of those methods work and it's really about, you know, finding the one that works best for you or at least leaving the door open for, for, and for all of them. And I know, like for me, I want to spend my time during this phase only looking at properties that have already been filtered out, right? What I, what I don't want to do is, is waste a lot of time just scouring through the, the, what seems to be thousands and thousands of properties, you know, whether it be MLS or, or the different various websites that are out there. I want to spend my time only looking at those properties that already meet my criteria. So I think that's great what you said to kind of have an agent or a wholesaler or somebody who understands your criteria, they understand your business model, and they're only going to bring you stuff that, that is already very likely you're going to be interested in. You're not going to waste a ton of time you know, um, looking through deals that, quite frankly, don't even meet your criteria. Step number two in this is, so now that you've found properties that meet your criteria, it's time to analyze that deal, right? So um, talk to us a little bit about the methodology and, and how you analyze a, uh, a deal for fixing and flipping. All right. So as you mentioned, you know, deal analysis is the second step. And to tie into what you just mentioned about uh, finding properties, 
um, it's very important in deal analysis that you don't waste time and because you don't own the property at that point in time and so you don't want to spend a whole lot of time analyzing properties or even looking for properties that you may never purchase uh, whether it because be because they're listed too high or because it doesn't meet criteria that you've set or because it's just not a deal so when you're looking at properties and you're doing the analysis you want to use as many tools that are available to you as possible so things such as Google Maps and looking on the PVA before you go to the house uh, if you look at Google Maps you can see what's around you can see is this a busy street are there apartments uh, you know around your property if you get on the PVA and you can look up the square footage of the house you can look up the layout of the house so you can get a get a lot of information for instance you know just by just by doing that you can see the size of the roof you can get an idea of how much carpet you're going to have to put into the place you can get an idea of how much paint you can see whether it has a garage um, you know some of those pictures are good enough that you can tell between the pictures on Google and the pictures on the MLS you can tell a whole lot about the property and, and start to put estimates together before you ever go see it but overall the point is you want to have a system that allows you uh, to one screen properties without ever going to them and two for the ones that you go to you want to be able to estimate those repair costs quickly you know 15 minutes in a house and coming out with a number that's within two three five thousand dollars that's an ideal situation if you're spending more time with that or you're not being more accurate or you're trying to be more accurate than that there's a good chance you're wasting a lot of time right I know with beginning investors that, that I work with and, and mentor and that you work with, one of the tendencies, I guess, with new investors is you they want to get in there and find every single little thing that's going to have to be repaired. I mean, you know, they're counting light switches and counting doorknobs and trying to measure the exact square footage of, of carpet and bedrooms. And I think what will end up happening is you spend an hour to two hours walking through a house to get every little nitpick detail and then you don't get the deal right you put in the offer somebody else outbids you and you just wasted two hours of your time so you hit on a key mentality there which is first and foremost you're gonna do a lot of this uh, upfront analysis online from your computer you know sitting in the comfort of your own home or you know, on a beach somewhere or out on your back deck uh, sipping a drink in the sunshine, but looking at Google Maps, looking at making sure you're not near a railroad track or a liquor store or something like that. So you can learn a lot there going on your PVA. I mean, you just made a great point. You can see the square footage of the house, how big the roof is. So there's a lot of things you can do right from the comfort of your own home. And then when you get there, you're in and out in 15 minutes, and that's the key. You don't want to be in there for hours because you may never get the property. So very, very good advice. Okay, well, moving on. So to summarize, we've we've gone through finding properties. Step two is deal analysis. And now that you know what the property uh, repair estimate checklist tells you, you know uh, how much it's going to cost you to repair it, it's time to put in that offer. So talk to us about step three, which is offers. Yeah, you know, this step is, is pretty straightforward. You've, you, at some point uh, between the, the deal analysis stage and the offer stage, you've done the, the repair estimate checklist. Like you said, you've, you've run the deal through your deal evaluation deal evaluation tool and you've got some maximum allowable offer that you're going to you know put in um, your agent will usually put in the offer for you unless you're dealing with a wholesaler or, or, or a seller directly um, but the important part here is you know you've already spent time you spent time looking for the property you spent time analyzing the deal 
make the offer. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. Go ahead and make the offer. You will never get a property that you don't make an offer on. And some of them that you do make an offer on, a lot of them that you do make an offer on, you won't get. But you certainly can't get one without making that offer. So go ahead and put that in. Have your agent do that. Um, Make sure your team is on board, your lender is on board, and and then submit the offer. It's really a, a fairly straightforward and simple step. Right. That, that's great advice that you just gave, which is if you're going to spend your valuable time driving out to this property, looking through this property, filling out the repair estimate checklist, if, if you're going to go through that effort, at least finish the, finish the process and put the offer in. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter if your offer amount is a lot less than what the list price is. You've spent your valuable time going out there to evaluate it, unless there's something just you know, that you completely overlooked, that you cannot live with with this house, it completely violates your criteria and you missed it on your online search, I think uh, it's a great uh, practice to put the offer in because sometimes they will get accepted and and you'll make better use of your time. You'll also become a lot more disciplined with what houses you go see if you try to follow that practice of always putting in an offer. So very good advice. Okay, so moving on to step number four is where we do our due diligence. And this is definitely an area where uh, beginners need a lot of guidance and uh, a lot of coaching to make sure you don't miss specific things and make one of those really expensive mistakes. So talk to us a little bit about your, your process for due diligence. Sure. As you just mentioned, due diligence is where you, know, you keep yourself out of trouble, right? You, you don't own the property yet, so you've got some opportunity to get out of the deal if if you find out it's a bad deal for one reason or another. And this is where, you know, having a great team can really come into play because you just mentioned that beginners make a lot of mistakes, but there's no reason to make a mistake because a beginner doesn't even have to know anything other than, hey, these are the team members that I need. You know, so I'm going to call my inspector, uh, whether that be the home inspector or the termite inspector or, or whatever else, and get those inspections done. I'm going to get insurance on the property. I'm going to have my... Um, title attorney, make sure that there are no liens on the property. Um, The lender is going to, you know, my lender is going to order an appraisal to make sure that it's um, within the range that I expect to pay for it or the after repair value, the ARV, is matches my comps and so that my deal, you know, still looks like a good deal before we close. Um, It's those type of things that you rely on your team for and make sure, you know, to make sure to keep you out of trouble because... Mm. Right up until you own the property, you can always back out. Maybe you have to give up your earnest money or your escrow money, but forfeiting $1,000 is much better than getting into a, uh, a property that's not a deal and losing ten or $15,000. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and the key takeaway here that, that I heard from that is there are other professionals in the real estate industry who make their living doing the exact things that you need them to do during this phase. And, and frankly, during all seven steps of, of every rehab, there are, are people and professionals who, again, they earn their living doing the things you need them to do. There are home inspectors out there who need to inspect homes to earn their living, and, and you need their services to, to keep you from spending hours doing that and teaching yourself how to do that. You don't need to know how to insure a property. You need to call your insurance agent. And you don't need to know how to do appraisals and title exams. You use appraisers and title attorneys to do that. So that's 
that's a great mentality uh, for all of our listeners to keep uh, at the forefront of their mind is to always uh, be looking for how can they use someone else's time to get this done so, again, that they can have the lifestyle that they want and not um, spend all their time doing these steps. So, Okay, great. So I think step five is uh, going to be the most important step in, in this seven-step rehab process or flipping process, which is the pre-rehab planning. And uh, this is one where I know I and my business spend uh, the bigger portion of my time. I know you do as well. So talk to us about uh, what we need to do in the pre-rehab planning. Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, this is the most important time, and it's often wasted. A lot of people don't take advantage of that time between when they have the property under contract and when they actually close on the property. And as a result, they end up, you know, owning the property for a week or two or three while they're still trying to figure out what what the rehab is going to entail, while they're trying to get quotes, and all that time you're losing money because you're you know you own it and you you have carrying costs, you've got utility bills, you've got all these other things going on, and you're not getting work done. Mm-hmm. So the time that that three to four weeks, however it is, long it is, between the time you get a contract accepted and the time you actually close on the property, uh, once again, it's the most important time. What you should be doing there is putting together a statement of work, so a very detailed list of every single thing that the contractor needs to do. You should be getting quotes from your contractors. Um, if you're using a general contractor, you know, get, get quotes from three general contractors. If you're doing subs, get three subs out there for, for each of the you know, items, electric, plumbing, HVAC, roof, whatever it is that needs to be done, and get them out there and get quotes, and start to schedule the work um, so that the day of closing, you have, you know, a dumpster at the site and you have the contractors are hired and they're ready to start working on that day. Um, that, it, that it will ensure that you get the rehab done as quickly as possible. When you put together your statement of work correctly and your schedule of work correctly, the whole process will flow very smoothly mm-hmm. and you'll be able to, you know, save both time and money in getting these things done, getting the rehab done. And, and quite frankly, you'll have very little uh, involvement in the rehab, and I, we'll touch on that a little bit more in just a second. You know, Eric, what's most interesting about this pre-rehab planning phase is whenever I'm uh, talking with other investors, whether it be you know people that I'm formally mentoring or just having a casual conversation maybe at our local RIA meeting, when I'm talking with other people about our system that we've developed and that we use, this is the area where they have the biggest aha moment. You know, it's amazing. They they just have this aha realization that after the contract is accepted, there's usually three to four weeks that go by while all the paperwork's getting done, the title attorneys are getting their thing done, the lenders are getting all their paperwork done. And it amazes me how many investors just sit and do nothing during that period because they're thinking to themselves, well, I don't own the property yet, so there's nothing I can do with it. But you absolutely can. You can do a lot with it, as you've just described. You know, you can get your contractors over there to get in and start taking measurements and giving you quotes. And there's so many things you can do. And it just continues to amaze me as I share our system with other people that they really just have an aha moment during this uh, phase. So, thanks. And, go ahead. You know, sorry to interrupt there, yeah, Brian. Go ahead. I actually spend more time in this phase than probably every other phase combined. It is, you know, it is that important. It is by far the most important phase. Great. Yeah, absolutely. As do I. Okay, so we're coming down the stretch here. Uh, we're finally in step six, which is the actual rehab. This is when you actually get to start transforming the house uh, from 
from ugly to uh, to great. So take us through just real quickly, you know, kind of what kind of thoughts that uh, our listeners should have on their mind during the rehab phase. You know, this is kind of funny because it gets back to what we were just talking about, but this is where most investors think that they need to spend their time and their efforts. And, and really, if you've done everything else right to this point, this is the phase where you spend the least amount of time or, you know, almost the least amount of time. Um, the previous step is where you spend the time and you delegate the plan, uh, or I'm sorry, and you develop the plan. This step is just about managing the execution of the plan. So if you have good contractors, you just make sure that they're out at the house. You make sure that they're doing work, that they're staying on schedule. Um, but that doesn't even involve going out there, right? They can text you pictures. They can you know, send you weekly updates, daily updates if you need, uh, to show the progress. And all you need to do is just be tracking, are they um, you know, making progress that they need to make so that they meet the schedule that you've already agreed to. Um, so while this is the phase where the change occurs in the house and you know, where you, you, you actually do the, the part of taking something, a distressed property, and turning it into something that's you know, once again useful and going to be beneficial to the community and beneficial to the, to the um, people who are going to live there, your part of it is is very insignificant. Right. That's very interesting. It, it's almost it's counterintuitive, right, to what what you would think. And and I think you know if you watch all these TV shows, right, the flipping homes TV shows, it's it's exactly the opposite of this, right? The entire show is in the rehab phase, and it shows the flippers are swinging sledgehammers and slinging paintbrushes and. And you know, sanding drywall, and that's just not uh, the system that that we want to follow. We no, we no. want to remove ourselves from this process, and we want to we want to systematize this so that other people uh, who are trained at swinging hammers and, and paintbrushes can do this for us, and we can move on to analyzing that next deal and growing our business, right? Yeah, I mean, doing things the right way doesn't make for good TV. There's no real drama. <laughs> you know, things just things just occur the way they're supposed to occur. Uh, because people are following a system and you've got a good team. You know, you get drama uh, when when you don't have a plan. You get drama when you don't really know what you're doing. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that, that makes for, for decent TV, I suppose. But it right. doesn't make for good investing. Agree. Definitely agree. Okay, so uh, let's summarize. We talked about finding properties, then doing the deal analysis, then getting our offers in, doing our due diligence, and then the most important step, which is our pre-rehab planning. Now we've kind of kicked over the rehab, turned that over to the contractor. And now the contractors are finished and we're at our final and seventh step, which is marketing and sale of the property. So close us out here, Eric, if you would, with just some key thoughts uh, to think about in the marketing and uh, sale phase. You know, this phase is, um, if you've done everything else right to this point, this phase is also not that hard. You know, hopefully the, the comps that you did at the beginning match the comps that you did at the end. Um, so you, you already know you're after repair value. Um, you're, you've worked with your agent um, through the process. You're, you're comfortable with the way that they're going to list it, with the price they're going to list at. They're comfortable with the rehab that you've done. Um, and so this, this is kind of about just marketing, like you said. Um, you know, staging the property, preparing the listing, um, and then hopefully you get very quickly to the point where you're negotiating with sellers, uh, maybe completing repairs from the buyer's inspection, those type of things. But these are very simple steps um, that you go through at the end uh, as you're trying to get rid of the property. 
Thanks, Eric, for taking us through the seven steps of every rehab. And it's important to note, as you mentioned earlier, is no matter where you are geographically or in your flipping business, all rehab projects follow these same seven steps. So the goal here is to systematize that, to leverage the expertise and time of others, to accomplish these steps so that you can really spend less time doing these things and, and make more money. You know, the less time you can spend doing this, the more time you can do the things that you're passionate about and that you enjoy, whether it be spending time with your family or uh, funding your retirement or paying for your kid's education. Whatever those things are, uh, the financial gain that you get from this can certainly help you achieve that goal. So, you know, we talked a lot in this episode about uh, leveraging team members and building those team members. And we're actually going to, in our next podcast, uh, several podcasts, we're going to go through exactly how to build those team members, exactly who they are, how to find them, and how to uh, develop relationships with them. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that, and we appreciate you listening. And one last thing is uh, please take just a quick moment to leave us a comment or uh, ask a question. If there's something we didn't address in this podcast, we'll be more than happy to uh, answer your questions. Just leave a comment uh, down below at the bottom of the webpage there, or you can always uh, leave one over on our website at uh, www.parttimerei.com. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Part-Time REI Podcast, your premier source for investing in real estate in your spare time. Check out our blog at parttimerei.com. That's P-A-R-T hyphen T-I-M-E-R-E-I.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter for exclusive tips on achieving success through real estate investing. If you would like a free copy of our property repair estimate checklist, go to parttimerei.com.